Hello, everyone. Welcome, uh, welcome back to Capes and Japes. Um, we have a, uh, we are heading, heading back to Marvel, uh, for a little bit. We did kind of a DC stretch, and then we talked about, uh, Spawn, who is neither, even though he looks kind of like he could be related to Spider-Man. Um, the Spider-Man's cousin, Spawn. Yeah, you know, it's, Thanksgiving gets a little weird, but that's fine. Um, we are, uh, swinging on, swinging on back to Marvel. Um, and we are gonna talk about Scott Summers. Um, a, um, a character who I, I will confess, I have not felt a lot of need to talk about in my life, <laughs> except to bully him. Um, he's just so fun to bully. It's he's very easy to bully. Um, but oh boy, there is uh, <laughs> there's a lot. Um, a lot of stuff has happened to and with and around Scott Summers, as it turns out. Um, just a whole, um, just a whole bunch of stuff. Um, so, uh, Scott Summers, also known as Cyclops, um, is, uh, an X-Man. He is one of the original X-Men in the, uh, original team created by, uh, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, uh, in 1963, um, which, uh, people are probably not surprised to know that Cyclops is one of these people, um, but the original five X-Men outside of, uh, Professor Xavier, who, like, doesn't really count as one of the X-Men, um, but it was, uh, Cyclops, Jean Grey, who at the time was going by, uh, Marvel Girl, uh, Beast, Angel, uh, and Iceman. Um, so, uh, Wolverine doesn't show up until much later. Storm doesn't show up until much later. Um, Nightcrawler's much later. It's not necessarily what would come to mind, uh, when people think of, like, the quintessential X-Men team. Um, but... Scott is there, and Scott has been there truly from the very beginning. Um, and actually, in canon, he was the first person, uh, that Charles Xavier came to, to be like, you should be on my team that I am making now. <laughs> um, right now. Uh, <laughs> and Scott's like, okay. This sounds great! I don't have anything else going on, I think. <laughs> Um, so as, uh, you know, truly the prototypical X-Man, he has been involved with pretty much more X-Men nonsense than anybody else out there. And, who boy, Hachimachi, holy moly, um, there is a whole lot of it. Um, so, uh, to get, um... To get this out of the way, um, Scott Summers, uh, mutant power is that he, uh, he shoots concussive blasts out of his eyes. They're not lasers, they're not fire, even though definitely sometimes in some comics people forget what they are and they do make them kind of be fire, um... They're just, like, like, concussive force. Um. Do you think he just blinks real hard and that's what does it? And it's just, boom! Yeah. Like a shockwave? Yeah. Um, what it actually is, um, so, uh, initially, um, it was just, like, uh, established, like, yeah, they're, like, concussive blasts, um, they don't cause any recoil because, uh, part of his mutation is that, uh, there's no recoil. 
Um, That's not how science works. It is not. Um, so to, uh, to, to counteract this, um, in 1983, in the official handbook of the Marvel Universe, um, and I don't know who actually, like, initially came up with this concept, if this was, like, part of Lee and Kirby's original pitch that just, like, wasn't in there, or, uh, if, like, somebody else came up with it along the way, or if the person writing this handbook was like, ah, fuck, I gotta come up with an explanation. Um, the actually, and also this is funny because I did just, like, recently see a Tumblr post going around about this. Actually, what it is, his eyes don't generate the force. His eyes are portals to another dimension, and that dimension is entirely made up of concussive energy. <laughs> uh, um, uh, yeah, and that's why there's no recoil, because he's not producing the energy. He's just opening his eyes and allowing the energy to escape into our dimension. Why do sunglasses work? <laughs> it's concussive energy that's weak to ruby quartz, which is also not a real mineral. God, I can't believe that that's an actual thing that they did. Yeah, so that's, um, that's, that's technically canon. Um, so, like, honestly, truly, I feel like- If he put on a normal pair of sunglasses, would they just fly off his face? Yeah, they- <laughs> Pew! Um, I feel like much weirder things happen in comics than, like, oh yeah, he generates a uh, concussive blast out of his eyes, but it doesn't cause any recoil. Uh, but, you know, that's fine. His eyes are gateways to- the Tumblr- the Tumblr post got stuck in my head because the way they phrased it as, like, it, his eyes are gateways into the punch dimension. <laughs> um, so that's, um- that's that's just the truth about Cyclops. And yeah, he has the special visor that's made of a uh a material called ruby quartz um which is not a real thing in the real world uh as far as I know. Um and then he can also he has like, you know, glasses and sunglasses made up of the same thing. So he can uh open his eyes without uh unleashing this terrible power on everything around him. Um because the other thing that's true about Cyclops is he, uh, cannot control this ability. He has, uh, cannot decide, like, to open his eyes and, uh, shoot force lasers out of them. It's just anytime his eyes are open, if he doesn't have a special visor on, the, the laser, they're just a-coming. The blasts are just, are just a-coming out. He should, like, learn some meditative techniques to try to close off that portal to the punch dimension. <laughs> well, there's been, uh, there, there's been a few tries. Um, so, uh... Could they make hard lens contacts out of a very thin layer of this ruby quartz? I think he has had contacts made with it. Good. Um, yeah, It would be a wasted so... opportunity otherwise. I know. Um, so, uh, Stanley, um, Cyclops was a favorite of Stanley, uh, partly because he did his thing where, like, uh, you know, Cyclops was kind of, like, nerdy and insecure, and he had this big crush on Jean Grey, who was, like, very far out of his league, um, which is a thing that Stanley liked to do, um, but also, um, you know, uh, the Lee and Kirby were, like, very into, like, heroes with pathos, um, and, uh, you know, Cyclops was, like, couldn't control his power, and, like, that was, you know, the big, like, tension in his character. Um, part of the problem is that, uh, in the, like, 50, over 50 years since that happened. Um, there have been so many X-Men introduced 
who have like such way, way, way unbelievably bigger problems <laughs> than just they have to wear some special sunglasses all the time. Um, so that any time that like Scott is like sad about the fact that he can't control his like eye lasers, it just seems very like, okay, Scott, like <laughs> It's like, well, Rogue can't touch people, so like, like Literally, Scott. Honestly, one of your founding teammates is just stuck as a like a big blue furry man all the time. Like Scott. Um, but you know that's uh that's an issue with a uh, comic book escalation. Um, so um, Scott Summers' uh backstory. Um, again, is like definitely like traumatic um but by the standards of x-men backstories who have like been introduced since then it's kind of like oh you could turn down okay um but so uh there's also been a lot of retcons and additions to this um but so uh scott's uh parents uh are killed in a plane crash um they are, uh, flying, uh, they're in, like, uh, Anchorage, Alaska, his dad's a pilot, they're, uh, flying around, uh, they, the plane starts going down, um, and, uh, their parents take, uh, Scott and, uh, his brother Alex and give them a parachute and, toss them off the plane, because they only have the one parachute, and they're like, we need to hopefully get our children to safety, because we're gonna die in this plane crash. I don't, I don't know if Alex was there in the initial conception of this story or not, because I know that, um, Alex is properly introduced, like, a few years after Scott, so I don't know if they were, like, uh, came up with this origin story then, um, or if they were like, oh, yeah, also his brother was there. Sorry, we forgot to mention it. It's like a reverse back to the future. He just kind of appears in the photos. Yeah, it just fades in. Um, hey, has this guy always been in this photo? Yeah, that's your brother Alex. Huh. Um, Alex, uh, who also has, uh, uh, mutant powers, uh, and goes by the name of Havoc, um... Which is much cooler than Cyclops. I'm sorry to tell him. Um, Because he does have two eyes. Yeah. The name is not accurate. Um, Also, this is just a weird fact. In his first appearance, his name is Slim Summers. Um, And then they change it to Scott, presumably because that's kind of goofy. They're like, oh yeah, Slim is his nickname. I love... Scott Summers trying to introduce himself to the new X-Men team with yeah trying to pull like an Andy Mac. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's pretty good, honestly. Um Hi, it's summer camp. I'm going to make myself have a nickname. You can't do that, Scott. Nobody's going to respect that. <laughs> um also later on, um another uh Dave Cockrum makes this kind of, like, space, like, superhero team called the Star Jammers, um, and pitches the idea that, like, one of them is, uh, actually Scott Summers' dad, and he survived, so, like, then it's like, okay, his dad was a pilot, and, uh, the plane didn't crash for normal reasons, they were actually attacked by an alien Shi'ar spaceship, uh, and then his parents, uh, survived, because they took them, uh, back, uh, back to their planet, um, except his mom died from being a woman in comics disease, but his dad lived, um, and then, um, at some other point, they, like, get into, like, oh, uh, also when he fell out of the plane, he, uh, hit his head, and he got a, uh, head injury, and it caused brain damage, and that's what makes it so he can't, uh, control his powers, um, and that kind of pops in and out, like, a few times, um, and then 
Joss Whedon in Astonishing X-Men is like, no, he didn't get a head injury. It's a mental block that he placed on himself because he's like so worried about controlling all aspects of his life that he made it so he couldn't control his powers so he could focus his energy on his inability to control his powers. Hey, um, Joss, what? Yeah, no, it's... Some some weird stuff happens. Um, Like, maybe I could buy... Like, they were <laughs> on the plane, and his powers started to manifest, and he made the plane crash, killing his parents, and then he has, like, a trauma block because he couldn't control them then, he can't control them. So he's never able to control them until he gets over the, like, until he deals with the trauma of accidentally causing the plane to crash to kill its parents. I might get that, Joss. Well, it's not that, so <laughs> take it up with Joss. I have so many things. Let me, like, roll out my itemized list of things to take up with Joss Whedon. God. Yeah, honestly. Oh, jeez. Um, so... He, he he and his brother fly out of this plane. That was attacked by aliens. He maybe hits his head. Um, he and his brother end up in an orphanage. And then later on they're like, oh, also the orphanage is run by a supervillain named Mr. Sinister. Um, and he does experiments on Scott as a child, maybe? Um, Alex gets adopted. Um, Scott does not. Scott eventually, uh, leaves, uh, leaves the orphanage, um, he, uh, because he is, uh, on, like, a group trip, um, to New York, um, and, uh, his powers go off, uh, for the first time, um, and he, uh, manages to, uh, prevent, uh, anyone from getting badly hurt, um, but they're still like, hey, what was that? So he, uh, runs away, um, presumably this whole time just, like, keeping his eyes closed wherever he goes? Yeah, I was just thinking, like, do you think Scott learned how to read Braille? <laughs> like, do you think he figured out ways to move around with his eyes closed and now knows how to do this and just kind of like, oh, yeah, I mean, I guess if I ever lost my- I keep wanting to say ruby zoocyte because that's an actual mineral, but <laughs> <laughs> if I ever lose my ruby quartz glasses, I can just, like, you know, be fine. I mean, that would be- that would be good thinking on his part. I don't know if he has. Somebody- say. Sam probably knows if he has. Sam definitely, friend and patron of the show Sam, definitely knows much more about Scott Summers than I do. Sam, tell us on the Discord if Scott Summers, like, taught himself how to, you know, be productive, I be. guess? <laughs> With his eyes closed? <laughs> I guess basically what I'm saying is, did he learn how to pretend to be blind? <laughs> It, it's it's very complicated. Now, see, I now I kind of want like a Scott Summers. Jesus Christ! I think that's my dog. What's she barking oh at gosh. in the backyard? Wild. Uh, like I want a Scott Summers story where he is just like, oh yeah, I'm blind and lives his life this way, and then all of a sudden. Like, I want him to have a secret identity where he's basically Daredevil. I want Matt and Scott to be friends. <laughs> <laughs> and just be all like, oh, yeah, uh-huh, mm-hmm. Nobody assumes that we can be superheroes Sounds because blindness, I guess. Sure, okay. Yeah. I didn't think this one through. <laughs> I mean, I, it's pretty good. I lost it towards the end there. <laughs> um, God. Well... He does not have to wander around with his eyes closed for very long, um, because he ends up, uh, being found by, uh, Professor Charles Xavier, um, you may know him, um, who, uh, 
finds this uh finds this boy goes like hey i am uh starting a school for mutants and also a team of mutants to fight crimes um would you like to be the first member of my team um i've decided to call it the x-men um and scott goes like seems legit to me um we're the x-men because we used to identify as men but now we identify as mutants (laughs) um but so a lot of the central driving like emotional force and also a lot of the conflict um in a lot of scott's like character uh tends to come from this, like, relationship with Professor X, where, like, he, uh, you know, is, like, Professor X, like, took him in. So he has, you know, kind of views him more as, like, a parent figure than probably a lot of the other X-Men do, um, and is, you know, really close to him, uh, and trusts him a lot, and for a good chunk of time is like the one who's like no guys we should just listen to uh whatever professor x wants to do um so that when uh he is ultimately kind of uh let down by uh charles doing some shady shit because charles does uh a lot of shady shit um in his storied career um a lot of good shit, but a lot of very shady shit. Um, it hits Scott especially hard, uh, and does kind of, like, throw him into sort of an identity crisis. Um, another, uh, very central aspect of his character, um, is his, uh, romance with, uh, Jean Grey, very famously. Um... They're on, like, the founding X-Men team together. Um, when they're both young, there's this, like, you know, Stanley like, love triangle where, like, Scott's pining after, uh, Jean, um, but Jean has a crush on, uh, Warren Worthington, uh, Angel, um, and, uh, you know, Angel is, like, extremely hot and super rich and like his power is just that he has some cool wings um which rad yeah which rules um just like kind of you know objectively more desirable in every way um and scott's like oh she'll never go for someone like me um but uh they um they do end up you know admitting their feelings for each other um, and, uh, becoming a couple, um, which, uh, you know, is, uh, great for a while, um, (sighs) then some stuff happens. (laughs) The ultimate comics mood. Yeah, so, um, Jean, uh, Jean Grey, uh, Famously, we're gonna talk about, uh, Jean next week, is the plan. Um, but Jean Grey famously, um, dies and then is brought back to life, um, as Phoenix due to this kind of cosmic entity called the Phoenix Force. Um, and then, uh ends up, uh, dying again after being Phoenix. And then this will repeat many, 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 many times. Many times. Again, we're gonna talk about Jean, but, like, the most famously will not stop dying and then coming back again comics character of Jean Grey. Um, but, um, after Jean dies again, um, and it seems to be, like, a, uh, a permanent death, um, Scott, uh, he 
he you know has a little bit of a of a of a crisis he works on a fishing boat for a little while um like you do i mean that's Um, pretty chill uh yeah no i mean it's you know it's fine you could do much worse um just don't lose your special glasses into the ocean oh god it'd be so bad um i think he dates the captain of the fishing boat for just like a little bit um uh he goes back to the x-men um he deals with some uh he finds out that his dad is alive and is like a cool space dude now um his dad tells him uh to go that he has grandparents in alaska who are alive he goes to visit his grandparents um he meets a woman who looks exactly like jean um named uh madeline pryor um and the there's some weird stuff happening around her that makes him think she is in some way connected to jean Initially, this was just like, she is a woman who coincidentally looks a lot like Jean, and also, this supervillain is, like, psychically messing with the X-Men to make them think this is, like, a reincarnation of Jean or something. Um, How long ago did Jean die that she could be reincarnated as an adult woman? Well, it's, it's weird, it's Phoenix stuff it's phoenix stuff it's fine um (laughs) um later on they retcon this to say that um she is in fact a clone of jean and she just didn't know it um she's a clone made by mr sinister again mr sinister's thing is that he like uh does weird stuff with genetics and also he's like super obsessed with like Scott's whole, like, family line and everyone related to them. Um, Why? Well, that's a great question. I I don't know. I got nothing. I, I got nothing for you. Like, it's one... It- he probably has some complicated, like, history, but, you know... It's one thing to experiment on a small child in an orphanage. It's another thing entirely to go after his friends and family and loved ones. It is, for sure. Both of them are bad, to be clear. Yes, they're both very bad. They are just also different things. They, uh, yeah. Uh, for sure. Um, so, uh... But again, this initial story is just that, oh, this is a woman who looks a lot like Jean... She's not Jean, they think she's connected in some way, but she isn't. Um, the initial concept is that this is a way for, uh, Scott to kind of gracefully leave the X-Men story, is that he marries, uh, this woman, um, they have, uh, a son together, um, and that should be it. Um, and then Jean comes, uh, comes back to life. Um. Hey, Scott, I'm back. Ooh, I married your clone, actually. Yeah, well, uh, good news. Uh, Jean, Jean comes, great news. Jean comes back and Scott, uh, is like, oh, fuck, Jean's alive. Leaves his wife and son to get back together with Jean and also rejoin a new X-Men team called X-Factor. Hey, Scott, that sucks, my dude. It's, it sucks, it sucks a lot. Um, it sucks a lot. Um, Madeline, um, prior, uh later on, like, goes on to become a supervillain, um, called the Goblin Queen, which, like, honestly, if my husband abandoned me and our child to go date the woman who he was dating before me and who looks exactly like me and that's why he married me, um, I think, like, 
getting a really skimpy outfit and starting to call yourself the Goblin Queen is, like, not the most unhinged response you could have to that. Like... No, it's... Frankly, I'm like... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Maddie, yeah. Yeah, like, I hope your son's okay, but, like, yeah, go for it. Wreak some havoc. You deserve this. <laughs> You've earned it. Um, he also, um, their son, Nathan, uh, gets, uh, infected with a, uh, advanced, like, technovirus by, uh, Apocalypse. Oh, cool. Um, not Mr. Sinister. <laughs> no, not Mr. Sinister this time. Um, and, uh, in, uh, in order to, and they have no way to, uh, cure this disease, um, in the present day. So he sends his son into the future, where the disease can be cured, um, and his son becomes Cable. It doesn't go well for him. <laughs> it doesn't, I mean, he lives. Well, yeah, but like... <laughs> He becomes Cable. We know this doesn't... He does... No, he does become Cable is the thing, the real... I mean, he is Cable. Um, there's also, um, there are, like, there are two other Summer's children who, uh, there's a... That's, like, there's... Scott's son with a clone of Gene who he sent into the future to become Cable is not the weirdest member of the Summers family. There is a- he has a younger brother who his mom was pregnant with when his parents got kidnapped by aliens, um, and then he was raised by aliens, and then he becomes a supervillain, uh, named, uh, Vulcan. There's also, he has two children with Jean, um, in an alternate reality, um, like the, the Age of Apocalypse timeline, um, one of them is another Nate, uh. He just really wants kids named Nate. Yeah, I guess, um, and, but he goes by Nate Gray, um. And the other one is Rachel Summers. And then both of them end up in the main timeline through shenanigans. Oh, um, comics. Yeah, you know. Um, and uh, Rachel's mostly uh, on the side of the X-Men. Uh, Nate is uh, kind of more ambiguous at times, um, and also, like, extremely super powerful, um, oh my god, the, the goddamn Summers family needs to get every- also, Cable has a baby that he adopted that is sort of part of all this later on, um, oh, Jesus- Christ, it's such, it's such a mess. Um, Scott, uh, merges with, uh, Apocalypse for, uh, a while in order to, like, uh, stop him from, uh, stealing the body of, uh, Scott's alternate universe future son. Um, he gets, uh pretty, uh, pretty messed up and traumatized over it, ends up, uh, breaking up with Jean, um, and, uh, talking to, uh, Ms. Emma Frost, um, friend, friend of the show, Emma Frost, um, where they end up having, like, a, uh, psychic affair? Um, I don't, I don't want to think too much about what a psychic affair entails. Um, a lot of, like, thinking at each other, I guess? Yeah, he tells Jean it's okay because, like, it was just psychic. 
But I feel like Jean should be the judge of whether that's okay or not. Um, I think, like, any kind, if you can call it an affair, I don't think it's okay unless, like, you've talked about it, in which case it wouldn't be called an affair. Yeah. Um, uh, Jean dies again. Rip. Uh, you know, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, she'll be fine. Um, Scott leaves the team, and then a, uh, future version of Jean convinces him to go back to the team, because if he leaves the team, then, uh, it'll create, like, an apocalyptic future. Um, so, uh, he and Emma, like, actually properly start a relationship and also, like, uh, become co-headmasters of the Xavier Institute, um, which not everyone is cool with, um... Fair. Because, yeah, Jean, like, just died and Emma is Emma. Um... Scott, are you sure this is a good idea? I have never had a good idea in my life. (laughs) I've never once had a good idea. Um, uh, House of M happens, and, uh, all, almost all mutants, <laughs> no more mutants. No, I um, meant, no, more mutants. More mutants. That's my favorite joke in any comic of anything. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I meant, no, more mutants. Okay. <laughs> Um, House of M happens, almost every mutant in the world, uh, is left without powers. There's 198 mutants left. Um, conveniently many of them are (laughs) prominent X-Men. Um. It's funny how that works. This is, yeah, it's so weird. No, no, Um, it's random, I swear. Wink. Yeah. Um, this is the point where, uh, the, uh, a little while after this, there's a, uh, a, a mutant baby is born. The first mutant baby, uh, since this happened, when they thought there wouldn't be any more mutants. Um, and, uh, it's a very big deal. Uh, Cable is, like, trying to, uh, protect her. Uh, Scott's kind of fixated on this, uh, quote-unquote mutant messiah, um, and is, uh, trying to, uh, get her from Cable so she can, like, come to the school and, like, be an X-Man, um... Has that worked out for any of his other (laughs) X-Men? It's bad for everyone. Nobody go to this school. It's terrible here. Um, he, uh, he disbands, uh, the X-Men temporarily. Um, they end up forming a new base in San Francisco, um, a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff really kind of, uh, goes downhill for old Scott. Um, the thing is, um, the thing is, Scott, uh, Scott's established thing, um, is, like, kind of being, uh, I mean, he's not created as a foil for Wolverine. But once Wolverine exists and is, like, extremely popular, um, Scott ends up working as kind of a foil for for Wolverine. He wasn't born into it, but boy howdy was molded to it. Yeah, for sure. Um, because he, uh, like, you know, Wolverine is, uh, very independent, and plays by his own rules, and, you know, is kind of the mold of, like, what becomes the very popular, like, anti-hero archetype, um, especially in sort of, like, the 80s and 90s, um, and Scott's whole thing is being, you know, sort of, uh, clean-cut and wanting to play by the rules, um, and, you know, thinking that, like, we should have order, and we should, like, listen to who's in charge. Um, and they butt heads a lot, and also they're both in love with Jean, and that, you know, creates some issues. Um, it's okay, I hear they figure it out. Yeah! 
I hear they're actually doing great now. Um, but, uh, part of the thing with that is, is, like, uh, one, you can't have the same dynamic forever, and you need to figure out ways to, like, subvert it. Um, and two, um, (laughs) the more time goes on, the more it's like, hey, maybe authority is, like, not very good. Yeah. Um... So, like, especially in, I would say especially in the past, like, ten years, but definitely, like, before that, um, there's been a lot more kind of, like, what if, like, Wolverine was sort of, uh, you know, the one who's kind of, like, more in touch with maybe, like, saving and protecting, like, individual people, Um, and Scott got, like, increasingly, like, no, whatever we have to do to, like, you know, protect, like, mutants as a whole. Um. Scott's very needs of the many, and Logan's very needs of the few. Uh, yeah. But in, like, a good way. Yeah, and then, um, and then Scott, like, a bunch of times, like, there's been a bunch of different, uh, kind of, like, like, mutant, like, havens. Like, for a while, they're all, like, chilling in San Francisco. Um, they're on, like, an island that's just called, like, Utopia. Um, right now, uh, currently in, uh, all of the X-Men stuff that's happening in, uh, current continuity, all the mutants are living on Krakoa. Which is sort of like, kind of like a sovereign mutant nation that Scott is like, basically leading. Um, and he's got a really dumb helmet. Good. Uh, yeah, you, you, uh, you love to see it. Um, but, um, yeah, so that's been kind of like, you know, the, the, obvious, I don't want to say obvious like it's a bad thing, but like the direction we're like, okay, well, we've done, you know, we've had this character as kind of, uh, you know, the, the strategist and like the de facto leader and kind of the team player of the X-Men, um, for a while. Um, how, uh, how can we explore his darker side? Um, and, uh, you know, <laughs> some of it gets pretty bad. Um, it makes, uh, makes some definite, uh, mistakes. Um, I also think part of the reason why Scott is, like, not super, uh, widely liked, um, among, like, comics readers, there's, like, there's a very, like, there's a very clear trend of bullying Scott Summers, both (laughs) in and out of canon. And I think part of it is, like, just that, like, in a story where, uh, so much of it is, like, an allegory for, like, systems of oppression, um... I think a lot of people are like, why are we seeing so much of this, like, extremely regular straight white dude (laughs) whose thing is just that he has to wear sunglasses? Like, he just needs special sunglasses. That's fine. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of my going theory. I mean, in addition to the fact that, like, he can, he can be very grating. He can also, you know, leave his cloned wife and child and go back to his girlfriend yeah. when she comes back from the dead, Scott. Yeah, that that sucks. That objectively sucks. I don't I don't want to judge him by just that, because sometimes comic writers make bullshit choices. Um Well, the comics characters have to live with the bullshit choices, so I will the judge them on that. <laughs> do have to live with the consequences of their bullshit choices. Um, and that sucks, uh, a lot. Um, 
Oh my god, they're, um, Scott has done so, this is such, like, just, like, a barely, like, skimming the surface of, uh, the things that have happened with Scott Summers. Um, holy moly. Um, we should have Sam on at some point to, like, <laughs> be like, Scott Summers 2. Scott Summers 2, the sequel to Scott Summers. What's up with this dude? Yeah. What is going on with him? Um, but, uh, there's a lot. Oh, also, like, as a totally separate thing from all of this, at one point, Beast brings a teen Scott from the past into the present. Why? Well, because, uh, Scott's having kind of a... Scott's having like kind of a personal crisis and he's like making some bad choices and uh Beast is like if I bring the original X-Men here it will remind him of the reason that uh Charles created the X-Men in the first place um and why we're doing this um and then the teen X-Men from the past stay in the present and then Teen Scott just goes on his own adventures while Adult Scott is also doing things. And Teen Scott, like, goes and, like, joins the champions and stuff. I mean, I guess. But also, yeah, so I, do, just I do love the idea. I do love the idea of, like, I know a great way to stage an intervention. Scott. Here's teenage you. Explain your actions. <laughs> Don't tell me. Tell him what you have done and you why know, you have done it. When all you've got is a time machine, every problem starts to look like a nail shaped like a time machine. <laughs> like a time-displaced nail. Hmm, this nail looks like it could use some time displacement. See? Look, I got rid of all the rust. It's great. Amazing. Um, alright, there's, uh, much, much, much more I can say, but, uh, we're, we're, we're going long, so, uh, did you have anything to add? I know you were reading some comics. I was reading some comics. Unfortunately, I did not read as much comics as I was hoping to, because <laughs> I got well, distracted you know by such things as cinnamon rolls and a nap and... Travel Channel sh hit show Ghost Adventures. <laughs> I mean, all of that sounds like a pretty chill day, so... It was. It was very chill. Uh, but I did read most of a trade volume of Squirrel Girl, because, uh... Squirrel Girl! Chaboy's three trades behind, apparently. And then it's <laughs> over, so... Oh, no! I'm I'm making my way uh downtown reading comics and I'm homebound. <laughs> um da -da 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 -da. But yeah, it's fun. It was the one where there was the scroll. There was the one where uh I started reading the one with Peter Parker in it and then <laughs> I had to love that guy. Yeah. And then uh I had to be here. So that was nice. Hell yeah. After I'm done Me. editing, I'm gonna finish that issue and see if uh, Peter and Nancy get out of trouble. <laughs> oh boy! How are they gonna get out of this one? I don't know, but they're uh, stuck in a room that's slowly filling with water. So until I go back to it, who knows? They could be alive. They could be dead. <laughs> Schrodinger's, Schrodinger's squirrel girl. Um, I, uh, I do not have comics things um i've been watching she-ra which i feel like should count because noelle stevenson is a comics person i did watch she-ra i did cry myself into a dehydration headache <gasps> oh it was oh very boy. good I'm probably gonna finish it maybe not tonight but definitely by tomorrow and uh nice yeah, and then I can go back on Twitter after I finish crying. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, there's been, uh, especially if you follow Noelle Stevenson, there's been a lot. 
So I've heard. Yeah. Um, I had a friend, like, DM me, like, as I was, you know, I was off Twitter on Friday, and they just, like, messaged me, like, Don't come Do back. not go back on Twitter. There's, I didn't even think I followed She-Ra people, and all I see is She-Ra spoilers. Do not come back. Save yourself. Save yourself. Be free. Um, but, okay. Yes. So, that's not important to this podcast. Stuff that is important to this podcast. Well, if it isn't, it's it's important to this podcast if it's important to us. You're right. Hey, that's the spirit. You're right. And it is. Um, but other things that are relevant to you as a listener is, um, come follow us on the internet if you don't already. Um, we have, uh, Twitter, which is our most active place to be. We also have, uh... Tumblr, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest. We post new episodes there whenever they come out. Um, and you should come follow us on those. You can find them at Capes and Japes on your platform of choice. Um, we have an email address. That's uh, capesandjapes at gmail.com. Um, we have a uh, Discord server where you should feel free to uh, come in and chat um about the magnus archives and other topics but definitely a lot about the magnus archives for sure i made a channel for the magnus archives so if you don't want to chat about the magnus archives you can mute that one it's the spooky podcast channel (laughs) it's plenty plenty of other things to talk about but if you do want to talk about the magnus archives it's a great place um we um we have a patreon um, if you are willing to support us on there, um, you can, uh, throw one or more dollars our way a month, and you can get bonus content, you can watch stuff with us, you can, uh, help us pick what topics we discuss. Um, if you can't do that, but you still want to help us out, um, we, a uh, great way to do that is sometimes I short circuit on my ending spiel. Um, it's okay. A great way to help out the show is if you leave a rating and or review on your uh, podcast platform of choice. That is super rad, and we will give you a shout out in the show for sure. Um, also telling a friend about the show if you think they'd be interested. Uh, and just coming back, just coming back and chilling with us. Um, just like you have today. So we, uh, would like to thank you for joining us for this episode of Capes and Japes. I have been Olivia. And I have been Elion. And, as always, kiss me sexy Batman. Kiss me sexy Batman. <laughs>